Hello, welcome to Thoughts from the Psalms, a series of meditations from the great hymn book of the Bible. I'm David Fryery. Psalms 113 to 118, known as the Egyptian Hallel Psalms. Last time in Psalm 113, the first of the six Egyptian Hallel Psalms, Psalms 113 to 118, we introduced the theme of the God of creation. This sets the scene to all God's acts of goodness that will go on to be celebrated in the rest of the Hallel. And in this second of two programmes on Psalm 113, we will continue to consider the God of creation. And we'll begin by hearing that psalm read for us. Psalm 113 Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high? Who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust, and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. We see the power of God in creation in that he is unlimited in time, verses 2 and 3, unlimited in place, verses 3 to 6, and unlimited in his audience, verses 7 to 9. Let's begin with him being unlimited in time, verses 2 to 3. We praise God for who he is, and here we see some aspects about him which call forth praise. We see him at work in our world. He is Lord of all the ages. He is the Ancient of Days, the one who existed even before the world began. Indeed, God has no beginning or end. His working in the universe began at its creation, and will go on until the end of the world as we know it, and even then on into eternity in a new heavens and a new earth. His name is to be blessed from this time forth and forevermore. God's praise is unceasing, and if that's too big a concept to grasp, we see him also in verse 3 as the one who is to be praised in any moment of any day, from the rising of the sun to its setting. There's not a single minute in any day where God's presence cannot be felt. The one who created time is interacting with his creation in time. In the scope of our own humanity and our limitations in time, what we see in all of this are glimpses of a holy God in our time, those special moments of closeness to God, moments which sadly are all too fleeting at times. How easily we are distracted away from him again and again. But nonetheless, it's a wonderful thing to know our God is the God of today as much as the God of the yesterday and of the tomorrow. The writer to the Hebrews in chapter 13 and verse 8 picks up this thought in connection with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. In an age of turmoil, 
the God of the ages is here with us right now in this very moment and we so desperately need to feel that presence. And the same God who is unlimited in time is also the God who is secondly unlimited in place. Verses 3 to 6. So in verse 3, the rising of the sun to its setting, in other words from east to west, does not only have a time dimension but also a place dimension. And that place is the whole earth. God's church is universal. Praise is offered continually round the globe. Even as Australia goes to bed, believers in Britain are waking up and bringing their morning praise to God. And so it goes on like a perpetual giant Mexican wave across Asia, Europe, Africa, the Americas, and then back to Australia again. We praise God for the wonderful creation he has made. Someone once told me he has a great gospel conversation starter. He points to something majestic, such as mountains or lakes or the sunset, and says to the person he's with, My father made those. He says he gets some interesting, even puzzled, looks back at him. But that's a very true statement that he makes. But we do also need to remember that God's creation consists of more than just certain aesthetically pleasing sights. Our God is bigger than just those. He's the creator and Lord of all the earth. Verses 4 to 6 speak of the Lord God being high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. He has complete overview of all that he's made. Every bit of it at every moment is in his sight and in his heart and mind as well. We know that higher up we go on a mountain or in a tower or on an aeroplane, the further and the more we can see. And as we see this vast expanse, we may be drawn to marvel at God's creation. When we read in verses 5 and 6 of God who looks far down on the heavens and the earth and realise just how high he's seated, we realise there is no one like our God. When we worship, we are part of a collective experience. The writer to the Hebrews tells us not to neglect to meet together. But even more than that, our worship gathers together with that of all God's people across time and place. Christians are members of the collection of people for whom Jesus died and rose again. But there's one further sphere in which here in Psalm 113 we see the God of creation. In verses 7 to 9 we see he is unlimited in his audience. Our God is a very personable God. We know about this, his love, compassion, concern and so on from all over scripture. He sees each of us human beings that he has created. We are individuals, each unique, each with a different face. And we see that idea expressed here in verses 7 to 9. The two specific topics covered in these verses are in some way indicative of the broader issue of God's concern for individuals. We see in verses 7 and 8 his concern for the poor and needy and in verse 9 for the barren woman. Thus it's possible to interpret this psalm as being all about God's specific interventions in ordinary lives. Firstly, the poor and needy. How impoverished we are in comparison to God. Even the richest person in the world is of nothing compared to our Creator God. No amount of earthly wealth will save that or any other person. We cannot buy our way into heaven. In that sense, we are all impoverished. 
But scriptures often point to a special care that God has for the poor. That is seen here where the poor are contrasted with the princes of his people and that God will lift the poor to sit with them. God has a special place in his heart for these poor people. But don't equate that with the idea that they are automatically saved and the rich automatically lost. However, sometimes those who are more affluent readily place their security in their material possessions. Remember the parable Jesus told about the rich farmer who thought he could store up all his crops and then just eat, drink and be merry. And what happened to him? He never got to enjoy it because suddenly one night his life was demanded of him and he died. And then there's the barren woman. In ancient society it was considered a shame or disgrace for a woman to be barren, unable to have children, even though it was probably no fault of her own. But here we are told in verse 9, he gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. God could reverse such barrenness and allow the woman to have children. There's a fairly clear allusion here to Hannah at the start of 1 Samuel. As she cried to God over her inability to have children, the Lord changed her fortune and Samuel was born. And if you recall Hannah's prayer to God in thankfulness for the birth of Samuel, you may also remember its similarities to Mary's prayer, sometimes called the Magnificat, in Luke chapter 1, when she was told by the angel Gabriel that she would give birth to the Son of God through the miraculous intervention of the Holy Spirit. So, in this Psalm 113, the first of the Egyptian Hallel Psalms, we see the power of God in creation, in that he is unlimited in time, unlimited in place, and unlimited in his audience. We have a God who is not aloof or distant from our world and from our humanity. No wonder the psalm ends where it began, with the exhortation to praise the Lord. Hallelujah! How can we not desire to praise our God, and that first and foremost for who he is, for all his glory, wonders and attributes? Quite simply, he is worthy. Next time we'll continue our progression through the Egyptian Hallel Psalms, as we look at Psalm 114, the God of the Exodus. Great to the heavens and thy faith.
If you wish to discuss anything in this programme with me, David Fryery, please contact me via our studio. Please join us next time for further thoughts from the Psalms. <laughs>